Welcome to the Make Your Friends Rich podcast, dedicated to founders and their friends enriching each other and how that love fest can manifest into beautiful things. We're your hosts, Megan Everett and Lance Pin. In the years we've known one another, we've helped each other make money and friends that, that have changed, changed our lives. lives. Remembering always, it's not what you know, but who you know. And how useful you can be to each other that can really change your stations in life. A little fun thing that we do uh, is a five-minute therapy sessions every so often so that we can co, not co-miserate, but like clear whatever's in your head so we can get to work. Yeah. And it's really great. And we know each other well enough now that we can just tell from tone or like even if somebody is not responding that something's wrong and we'll just be like, do you need a five-minute therapy session? Which sometimes is five minutes and sometimes is 30, but we get through it. On today's episode, we're throwing you a curveball surprise. We're the guests, and the interviewer is our previous guest, Farhana Cannon. When we invited Farhana to our show, she immediately hit us with a pod swap request, where the tables were turned and we were in the hot seats. This couldn't have come at us at a more perfect time, as we have been long overdue for a proper introduction on our own pod. So long overdue that we've already recorded 15 episodes. Special thanks to all you listeners. We hope the stories you hear from our accomplished guests continue to provide nuggets of value to your own pursuits. And on that note, if you want to learn a little bit more about your hosts and why we care so much about spreading the entrepreneurial spirit, please stick around for this rebroadcast of Farhana Cannon drawing the story out of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Brand Boutique Elite the podcast where we feature stories of different entrepreneurs and have them share their tips on how they gain success in their business. My name is Farhana Cannon, and be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your preferred podcast source. Today, we have special guests Lance Pinn and Megan Everett. Thank you guys so much for being on. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. So these guys have launched a podcast and in their own rights are uh, founders and investors of amazing companies. And I was just a guest on the po- their podcast, Make Your Friends Rich, which I thought was such a cute idea for a, a name and for a podcast concept. And they always say the people who you hang out with are like the sum of your worth or whatever those things are. But definitely in our entrepreneurship communities, we love to support one another and especially bring our friends along on this journey. So tell me how you guys decided to start this and why you started it and what was the concept? I'll let Meg uh, give the story because I tend to exaggerate. Go for it, Meg. Never. Lance exaggerate? It was during COVID. I had done some like community-type projects and involved Lance as we were all navigating early COVID. And Lance reached out, I think about January 2021, and was like, hey, I have some ideas for a company. Let's talk. And we were both seeing all of these ads for write a book in 30 days. And we thought maybe we could write a book together. Writing a book is really hard and time time consuming. So we started talking about how we could hack a book. 
And we were like, what if we do a podcast and then all of our material is already there and then we can put everyone's expertise and advice into a book. Lance and I met through conferences like six years ago and have sent each other deals and made introductions throughout the years, which is what gave us the idea of making your friends rich. And I'll let Lance talk a little bit more about that. Uh, Yeah, we've had uh, exchanges in the past where we were able to hook each other up with opportunities and our general modus operandi is to make sure that we can you know, help our friends out. And so looking at our expertise and what we could actually write a book about and coming up with 50 million names for a potential book, Make Your Friends Rich sounded like the, the strongest name. So yeah, that's pretty accurate. Good job. I like it. So how's the book going along? Have we got any chapters done? Actually, we, yeah, we organized by chapters we thought would be uh, useful to summarize the lessons learned and, and we organized our podcasts around how we'd like to fill those chapters. And then along the way, editing podcasts turns out to be a pain in the butt as well. And so we sought out some software to make it easier. And we came across this gem called Descript, which enables us to not only transcribe our podcasts, but also edit through transcription, typing away or cutting portions of actual legible uh, writing that, that the thing has transcribed for us. It, it enables us to cut that together and cut the audio at the same time or in line with, with how the, the transcription is written, which is pretty useful. Even more useful or even maybe scarier is that this thing has AI included that enables us to overdub if we make a mistake so that we can, so it knows our voice. It's it's pretty crazy. As far as writing the book is concerned, it may be, it may prove to be easier now that everything's transcribed and we can search by keyword and organize that way. Uh, But we have not actually begun the process of editing. That'll be more for the end of this quarter. Cool. So yeah, creating a book is definitely a a lot of work. I decided I was going to write my book about two years ago, so prior to COVID, maybe three years now, I have the chapters and the points, but I have maybe, maybe four like Word document pages done for it. It's just one of those things that it's, I think, and also to be like inspired to what you want to write. And so there's moments where I'll like be in a mood and be like, all right, super inspired and start writing. There's a ton of auto, there's a otter that records your voice. So some people, I have clients that literally, I don't want to sit down and type. I just want to talk. I can tell my story. I can talk through my story. And so they'll even go on and record themselves on Zoom and talk and have the Otter app on their phone and literally start recording that and using that as like a tool. So doing a collaboration book, but having your own careers, I'd love for you guys to share a little bit about what you do individually. So I have a software company called Perform. We use voice AI and machine learning to do forecasting and quota tracking for sales teams. And then we have a education side where we actually help you like close pitches better. Our forecasting is a little different than traditional forecasting, which I won't like get into the weeds with, but it's very nerdy and helps sales teams basically become better and close better and give you better. Yes. And I, I started a rock climbing gym company in 2008 uh, called Brooklyn Boulders. We made the first hyper urban brand in rock climbing, the first rock climbing gym in New York City, believe it or not, and then also Boston, Chicago, Queens, and DC. The the focus of that company is is to be hyper-urban, and as such, 
many opportunities that were not hyper-urban came to my attention that I had to forego in the past and that always drew my ire. Similarly, not similarly, during COVID, when the world was ending and we had to think about our place and what we've done and what we've contributed during that time, I had I thought, man, I, I really don't really, uh, have a contribution that's going to be ongoing should no one ever go rock climbing or be allowed to go outside again. So that's too bad. And look at Florida and Texas. What, what, what if we had locations there that would have been an, a more lasting proposition? And so I questioned whether or not I was doing the right thing and just focusing my time with BKB. And I thought, man, I really wish I had done more to produce rock climbing gyms in other locales. So I, I took a, a few steps towards uh, building a company to, to help other aspiring rock climbing gym entrepreneurs build out their spaces. And that's been operating in stealth mode for the past year or so. But along those lines, there's also the, uh, the impetus drove our podcasting career because once you create this content, it gets to live out there forever. And so hopefully the wonderful people that uh, I've met and Megan's met uh, in the past and that we get to interview can provide some guidance and utility uh, to people in a, in a more evergreen fashion. So it's great to be in the podcasting world and I hope, I hope that we get to continue that for quite some time. Cool. So we have sales and then we have health, wellness, startups. So how did you guys connect and want to collaborate? Because I think a lot of people that are listening want to have support in like their business growth. I think a lot of entrepreneurs literally think that they're on this island alone and may not know how to like partner and collaborate and create with others. So one, what was your desire coming from very different backgrounds, wanting to collaborate? And how has this like supportive collaboration helped you guys elevate and achieve your goals? Yeah, I'll start. Um, I think that since we both came back from like very strong networking backgrounds, having people around us all the time, like we met at a conference with 40,000 people. So you're like constantly around people that are doing things. But I think it's very important to surround yourself with other entrepreneurs that aren't in your industry. It's very easy to get sucked into these bubbles, especially in tech, where you really are an island and nobody wants to share anything. Because there's this fear that like IP will be taken or somebody will take your idea. And most of my very close friends aren't in tech and they're all entrepreneurs. So I think that allows me to get out of this kind of like coding bubble and be a lot more creative. And for me, when I partner with people, it's more about like who the person is and what they do. It's not about like how many similarities we have. So Lance is just a great human and who wouldn't want to partner with somebody that's done things that Lance has done. But at the same point, Lance is very supportive and we get to have a friendship and a partnership and I think it works really well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I'll say as, as people, we specialize in things and that means that we don't specialize in other things. And there's so much value to be created in this world that I'm not capable of alone. And so I recognize that early on, especially when creating my own company from scratch without knowing what to do, I very quickly learned to ask for help. There's a saying, if you don't ask, you don't get. And then there, I always try to, people ask me who, which entrepreneur inspires me the most sometimes. And my first easy answer to that may not be a go-to answer for, for everyone thinking about entrepreneurs, but it's, it's actually Martin Luther King because he's the gentleman that made the I have a dream speech. And I don't know if his dream would have been realized if he hadn't shared it. So he perfected the model of sharing the dream. And so every time you talk about what you're trying to do with people 
or on a live broadcast, such as this one, but you're opening yourself up to receiving help from people that you might not have access to before or people in your circle that might not have known what you're up to. Any advice that I would give to people out there is make sure people know what you're doing and you have a clear ask for help so that you can receive it. And also, yes, I have to iterate that Omega is also super supportive and fun to be. And a little fun thing that we do uh, is a five-minute therapy sessions every so often so that we can co, not co-miserate, but like clear whatever's in your head so we can get to work. Yeah. And it's really great. And we know each other well enough now that we can just tell from tone or like, even if somebody is not responding that something's wrong and we'll just be like, do you need a five minute therapy session? Which sometimes is five minutes and sometimes it's 30, but we get through it. No, I totally love that. As entrepreneurs, you're, there's all of these things like I swear to God, if I get one more, oh, you're so lucky that you get to do this. And it's Yes, I am blessed that I get to live my life and go travel. And right now I'm working remotely in sunny Florida and bypassing Boston's winter. But the thing is, it's you get to create what your destiny looks like. And well, Lance, what you said, state what you're doing put it out there in the universe. And when you're doing it live and and in public, and now there's some accountability because you spoke something that you were creating into existence, there is so much behind that. But as entrepreneurs, there is like this overwhelm and this, okay, another thing to my ongoing to-do list. People are like, oh, are you done for the day? And I'm like, I don't even know. What is is that concept? Oh yeah, they clock out at five and they're like, oh, I'm done for the day. And I'm like, Yeah, I have like 25 other things I could have done, but I I guess I could be done for the day if I decide. But yeah, no, so that's awesome that you guys are like supporting one another. I created a mastermind group just for that purpose. We don't do the five-minute therapy, but sometimes when people are going through something and they want to share, there's members of the group that will share. So on Tuesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every week, we, I do a mastermind group with all different kinds of entrepreneurs because it's awesome to hear different perspectives from different entrepreneurs that live in other places that are from in different industries. And what we do is we do a ask. We share who we are because there's always new people coming on. Then we do an uh, ask of the group. So it could be like for a referral or, guys, I'm going through this thing. I need help. Or a give. So if somebody doesn't have something to ask, a give so a piece of advice from their industry and then we do a little mini kind of, every member of the group gets to present and, and share some information and tips and the reason why i started it was during covid it was like we're completely alone living in our little bubbles or our little families and really not that many ways to reach out and so i felt like i wanted to create a community and support one another and it wasn't like oh hey meet me at this event it was like okay I want, I need you to meet this person, come here to meet them. You guys are definitely connecting, going to connect. And instead of having this like hard sales call between people, be like, oh, I think you might like this person or this person might, might help you come meet in this group, casual setting and connect that way. Masterminds are great. I had one during COVID that Lance actually came and spoke to you. And we're getting Lance out of his bubble. But if you like knew Lance pre-COVID, he was a ghost and it was like, who's Lance Penn? <laughs> but he was actually one of our favorite guest speakers. The group loved him. Yes. Intense fear with online communication <laughs> that COVID cured me of because that was the only way to communicate. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I don't mind getting on these lives and like talking to you guys. But even though I do social media marketing as like what I do for a living, I hate taking the phone and talking to the phone and there being nobody here. Like literally I'm filming a video for this Instagram story of my face talking to this audience that will see it later on, but it like still wears me out. (laughs) I know. It's funny. I saw this. Where were we? I think we were in like North Carolina or something at an ICSC conference and I had done this whole thing. It was like one of those story memories that was like, I'm going to get better at doing video. And it was like five years ago. And I'm like, I still never do it. Like rarely ever. Yeah, today I'm like, oh, I did my makeup for the podcast. Maybe I'll talk to my phone at some point. That's fair. Do you do reels? Because I yeah. like I've done a few, but I haven't done very many. I even danced. I danced for one. After our podcast when we talked about it? Yep. <laughs> okay. No, I'm doing like the twist. <laughs> I'm going to go find it. Yeah. That's great. It's, it's on my TikTok at iMedia Exposure, and I'm doing the twist. It's it's something. <laughs> so what is, like, what are three entrepreneurial tips? Like, through all of the things that you've been through, what are three tips that you're like, okay, these are the things that I need for other people to know. So, like, jot this down because this is, like, what helped me tremendously. I can start. Okay. Three entrepreneur tips. The best, like – Early advice I got was to be smart and scrappy. My friend Sarah Gibson Tuttle gave me that advice, who's the founder of Olive in June. When I was going, I was super early. We didn't even have a website yet and was going to meet with investors. And I was on a plane and got this DM and she's, do not take money yet. She's figure it out. You're going to lose your company in a few years if you do, which is really scary advice, but it made me shift my perspective in how to look at it and do I really need a million dollars to start my company or can I like do this a little differently and not give away a percentage yet? So I don't think there's a right or wrong answer for taking money early, but I think you have to really look at what your goals are and like what you actually need because it can get really exciting, especially in tech when people are like, let me give you $4 million for seed money, but I'm taking 40% of your company. So be smart and scrappy. The other big thing I think is don't let the opinions of others distract you or derail you from what you're doing. Because I know even for myself, like I can get very distracted by what everybody wants me to be doing or like negative things that are said. And then three, I think it's really like don't quit, but also know when to quit, if that makes sense. I think a lot of times people give up very early before they even have a chance to make it. But then we also see companies that are like, have made no profit for four or five years. And they're just like struggling. And we see entrepreneurs like so stuck in the mud, and they don't know what to do. But they also just aren't willing to give up on what this original idea was. So there's always like a pivot or even just like close and start over. There is no right or wrong answer there. I think those are my three top. Yeah, I want to just like recap those because they were those were great. One was smart and scrappy. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's interesting because it is exciting to be like offered four million of seed money, but then you have to really decide 
How much of your business do you want to give away? What, how do you want to structure that? And even from starting thinking about what you're going to do and how you're going to sell and get out at some point too. So like thinking about those things is important. Two was... Don't get distracted or derailed by other people's like comments and opinions, which is especially online. This people are not nice. Yeah. And it can ruin your day, but you can't let it like distract you from what you actually need to get done. Yeah. And people will say all of the things and it's, if they're not writing a check, then really does it matter? I, I was promoting my digital marketing course. And it feels awkward to do a sales video if you're not a trained actress. Like I was a shy kid growing up and getting out there and even just creating a video and talking like there is some sense of, okay, this is, and even though I speak in front of hundreds of people, there's always this, I'd just rather be in my little office behind my computer, like by myself or with my team. It's a part of business to get out there and and do all of this stuff. And I've had people comment on the way I sounded. I'm like, okay, so do you want to comment on like the content? Was it, did I give you good points, but you want to critique the way my voice sounds? I feel like we hate, everyone hates how their voice sounds like online. Yeah. Like Lance tells me that sometimes my voice sounds like Paris Hilton from the early 2000s. I'll take it. I will take it. (laughs) Yeah. And then three. What did I say? Oh, Don't quit, but also know when to quit. Yes. I've seen companies that have, are they're sticking to the standard product or the standard thing, and it is just so outdated. It doesn't work with the competitors that are in the space right now, what people are trending to want or need or even do. And people just get so stuck in this place. And when I'm helping clients with their marketing and I have to like, know their product and find the benefits and be able to sell it. And I'm like, this is just not a sellable product. There's five other options that are cheaper and and better. So how do we like shift? And I've had other entrepreneurs on here and everyone talks about like flexibility. So it's not being stuck on this. It's about being flexible. And even I was just in Tulum doing a bunch of wellness meditation things. And one of the things that they had shared was be like a tree, like you're rooted. But if you look at the roots of a tree, they're they go far in and they're meandering and they're uh, flexible and they just go to like the sources of what's going to sustain them and keep them grounded. And so as a business, it's, you have to ha- like be flexible. You can't just be like, all right, this thing and it, it doesn't work. I'm going to keep going. Or, and also I have clients that are like, oh yeah, I'm going to sell so much money, um, so many sales and I'm going to post on social media. I'm just going to post with the billion of other people that are posting, I'm just going to post and we're going to make all these sales. And it's and then they, two months later, they run an ad campaign for one month and two months later, they're like, oh, this isn't working. And it's like, there's a lot of things that you need to do. So you can't just quit like that either. Exactly. I also like something I've seen recently, especially after the last few years, is a lot of entrepreneurs closing their businesses and going back to corporate and they're embarrassed or ashamed and they're like not telling people they're doing it. Um, and I don't think there's any shame in like taking a break and also just needing to reset and have some security in your life after everything we've been through. But I think whatever, whatever is going to get you to a point where you feel the best again is what people should be doing right now. I totally agree with that. Just be, 
and like everyone just be less judgy just yeah. let everyone be do what make let them like make their heart happy and <laughs> just support them on, on that journey yeah like everyone's been through so much and everyone sees on social media just the good things most people don't go on a rant about if they're feeling sad or they are having problems in their relationship or problems in their business people don't share that stuff those are real life things that people are dealing with and everyone's dealing with something and so it's like just be nice everyone just uh you know mm -hmm. Not laughing at the subjects. I'm laughing at Lance's faces because he's like, oh, Meg does that. I'm getting better. So, no, Listen, it's not for me to judge lest not you be judged. But Meg is very open with her feelings. And she's supporting like a class of people out there that vibe with her. And so she's out there with a, a few emotional responses that I think really speak to her community. And so I'm not, while I... Uh, and for your friend, and we, I poke here and there, I do, I, I see the value in, in your sharing. Thanks, Chad. So, yeah, along the, I, you had some very good, uh, very good points. Mine are similar. First, I'll have to say video and my fear. I, back in the day, before we had all these wonderful tools on, we were already on our way with business. And so we had our own video crew and we knew that video was the future. And my team said that I should do a commercial. And let me tell you, although I am a salesman type of dude on the video and like even reviewing it, it wound up being like so much to my chagrin that I actually asked that we didn't release it. And then they made fun of me and like every time I made a mistake and would want to cut, I'd clap my hands and it was like, it was awful. Anyway, maybe I, maybe I had too much ego and fear or whatever and it probably would have been fine and maybe it might have been a viral hilarious thing because I did make a funny video, but my, I was not, it was a different time and place. So bygones, but getting back into the distraction piece that Megan meant, I had to tackle that from a different perspective for my entrepreneurial tips. I actually have a quotable quote probably for each one of these things from a, a different person that has impacted me in my life. In school, I went to entrepreneurship school called Babson College. And one of my professors named uh, Professor Smith, Lawrence Smith, I believe, always would say, plan the work and work the plan. And that sounds simple and we certainly want to be flexible and whatnot, but I, I, the overall message is to avoid scope creep and to pay attention to what you're trying to do and to have easily observable goals uh, that you can, you know, continue to develop a pathway towards. And since that was 20 years ago or whatever, maybe 18, that he gave us the, that lesson since then in creating a large company, the one page strategic plan has been the Bible and uh, key performance indicators and, and, and whatnot. So if you can do anything, um, to master the skills of planning, I'd say read a book called Rockefeller Habits or the follow-up book called Scaling Up because they really describe how to develop your own one-page one one strategic plan that you can get your whole company behind and start doing rhythm. And believe it or not, most of these, most of these lessons are, are, are taken from or have been improved upon by the coding process. Cause when you're coding stuff, you can make anything. And there's this wonderful process called scrum. I'm sure Megan's way more familiar with it, with it than I am because she develops software, but you really get to maintain momentum with your team by having uh, weekly planning and sprints. And actually Megan, you want to say something about that real quick? About scrum? Yeah. Or I don't know. You look like, look like you were vibing. With I'm that. just like, I'm acknowledging. I'm also, I'm such a planning and organizational nerd. I'm like, you can learn how to do it. I love these books. It was so funny at the beginning of the year. I was like, we're doing our OKRs. Lance was like, ugh, OKRs. And I'm like, this is my favorite time of year because I'm very nerdy and I love to see 40 people tell me everything they're going to do for the whole year. But go ahead. 
So moving right along to the second quotable quote, well, maybe it's not a quotable quote, but I think- Before you go on, can you just explain what some KPIs are? So what are some of these KPIs that people can, because they can go to the books, but maybe some of our listeners may not know of some of these things that they should be. Yeah. At the end of the day, you have big rocks, big uh, goals that you're trying to hit by the end of the year. Financial goals are easy to target, right? So say you're trying to make, you know, a million bucks. How are you going to make that million bucks? What are the key things you need to do to get yourself there? And how can you break your goals down into the quarter, into the month, into the week, so that you can get to the day and then help people understand how productive they're being during the hour. And it's not about forcing people to live a specific way or, or, or perform quota, so to speak, but more so that they're aligned with the value of their time and, and how they're spending it. And then checking in routinely so that you can adjust and make sure everyone is doing their part of the plan in line with everyone else's role so that there's no delay or hiccup. I hope I, that explanation satisfies Meg. She's probably better at it than me. <laughs> I liked it. I think it was good. All right, cool. So yeah, Scrum, there's a Scrum book out there too. It's got a red cover. I forget who wrote that one. Anyway, getting back to the next one, get to the entrepreneur status as soon as you can. That lesson was brought to me by Corey Moss and Mike Helmuth, who were software developers that had their own little company. Back when we opened our company, we thought we were cool by making an HTML website that looked different than any other website. But mind you, this was the early days of WordPress before there was like the WordPress light or whatever. And I was looking into trying to figure out how to write the next website. It's something that's more performs better and is more mechanical. And these guys were looking at me and all of the business activities that I was undertaking that could have probably been better facilitated by a website. So they recommended a book called E-Myth Mastery by Michael Gerber. And in that, the difference between what I was, which was a technician trying to get all my, all the technical jobs done without help or as little help as possible because we're being scrappy, but penny-wise, pound-foolish, especially with labor and you're trying to get a lot of things done. So to get from that technician phase to a manager phase where you have people that you're managing that are able to accomplish your goals people that are better than you, frankly, at at a lot of the things that you're struggling getting there. But if you have multiple locations and you're managing most of more, you're still in that manager phase and you're not really able to work on the business. And to be a true entrepreneur and to get in that status, once you're up up and going, you have to remove yourself from most management duties so that you can think of the next thing, the thing that innovates, that gets you to that next level for your business. So I'd say read the first 40 pages of Michael Gerber's E-Myth Mastery, and you'll get the gist of it, and a a substantial amount of the overall ethos of the entrepreneurial education that I had was found in that book too. Dry, but there's nice anecdotes in there. And I think too, that's so important because as entrepreneurs, especially starting off, I think the smart and scrappy, but also being smart is knowing that you're really terrible at building a website, or you're not good at doing graphics, or you're really not good at doing like your accounting or taxes or whatever that is. And it can will take you 40 hours to do something and you probably won't do it. And just think about how much 40 hours is worth to you. And then you can just hire somebody to do it and it will take them 10 hours. They'll do it and they'll do it how you want. There's so many clients that will come to us and They're like, oh yeah, we created this logo and we created this website. We bought all this stuff and we paid all this money and you look at it and it's, oh, this is bad. They're like, I'm I'm not making any sales on this website. And you're like, 
Well, there's lots of reasons for that. And then they spend probably 100 hours doing all of this stuff, spend all this money, and then it's just, okay, now we have to do it all again because it's just not going to work. And so as like a business owner too, you have to make the decision like, is it going to make me look professional? Are people going to take me seriously? Are like, is it going to look like we're going to, like no one's going to give you money if you're not presenting your products and services in a way that is professional as well. So that's like the first, like knowing what to delegate. And then too, Lance, what you're saying of if you're in the business, just working on the stuff, you're not going to be able to create the new next thing. And so you're going to have to really have and train people and bring people onto the team and like consistently growing and empowering them so that you can build. So I love that tip. And the third one was actually taught to me by a landlord that he stuck with me through my team's continual retrading and changes in the development of what we're putting in his space. We went from trying to put a rock climbing gym in his space to creating this new fitness ecosystem thing and retrading with the landlord's not fun and, but he was nice. And he was also getting some leadership training, maybe through a mastermind or some kind of one of those fancy groups. It's escaping me now, but the one that the Lululemon people always talk about. Yes. And so team management and leadership program. I did that too. So something like that. I'm not sure if it was that, that exact one, but he said, he said he would pay for me to take the course and to do only the thing that I'm best at in the world and to stop doing the rest. So what he meant by that was I was pretty good at getting the deals done. And then I'm having to come and renegotiate for some other desires by people that are not me, or maybe that I'm you know, involved in other things that are preventing me from going out and producing the most output. So that was pretty strong advice that I've, I've actually taken steps towards fulfilling now that I'm able to you know, branch out and, and help other people get deals done to produce rock climbing gyms. So do only the thing that you're best in the world at, of course, once you get to that level. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting to me when and people say, oh, yeah, I do this thing and this thing that's completely different. And it doesn't even seem like they're really passionate. If someone's, oh, yeah, I'm an accountant, but I really like making jewelry on the side. It's like their thing. Like, I get it. You have your things that you like. But when people are spread so thin with like things that really don't intersect and they don't really seem passionate about it, you don't really like it's not, oh, I want to do business with you because you do window cleaning and accounting and this other thing you don't really love. It's like, eh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. So I have one little fun question to ask. And but before that, do you guys have anything that you'd like to share with our audience before we go? I'm waiting for Meg, but I can't tell. I don't think I have anything. You guys shared some really great tips. So I have a fun question. Okay. Okay. If you could be a superhero, what would your two superpowers be? Lance? Uh, Yeah, number one would be mind control. No, I like when people agree with me predictably, but I also like winning. Wolverine's claws are pretty cool, but time travel is probably the the next best. I'm going to give the little kid answer. I want to be able to fly because who doesn't? And... Time travel is cool. I always thought it'd be really very cool to be invisible when I was a kid. Go anywhere, especially like now as an adult, like pitching major corporations. Like what if you could just go back in and hear what they say after you leave? Those are my two. Cool. Mine are being able to fly. So same. 
and then being able to speak every language in the world. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it would serve me in like various, one, I like to travel, two, doing business with anyone in the world. And then three, like I think actually being able to connect and relate and be more of a contribution because if you could communicate to more people, and a lot of people do speak English, there's all the rest of the languages. So I think it would be more impactful to be able to contribute to more people. Google's got you. I mean, Google Translate and there's there's other Translate apps. No, I was in Japan on a ski trip and I, I suck at skiing. So I hit my head on the ground and broke a tooth. And we were in the middle of a ski village in the North Island and everybody speaks Japanese there. And so I had to go to the dentist and I was able to communicate with them completely through Google Translate. They're ready for me. And by the way, super cheap to get health assistance uh, and pay out of pocket in, in Japan. I'm sure you probably gathered that America has a, a different system. We don't I, have to talk about that. I think it's probably cheaper everywhere. Like I've gone to the dentist yeah. in Colombia before. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm just going to go here. We're going to do all the things here. It's just way cheaper. It's cheaper everywhere else, even like Canada or something. It's way cheaper. Yeah. I want to thank you guys so much for being on. This is super fun to connect. For all of you that are listening, be sure to go and subscribe to the Brand Boutique Elite podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.